Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and today we'll be looking back on the weekend win against Watford in the FA Cup. Looking ahead to a pivotal week for United where they could prove their real title credentials. Games against Burnley and Liverpool at the weekend. And I'm joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. And by Dominic Booth. Afternoon, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thank you very much. And it's not going too bad for United either. Uh, into the fourth round of the FA Cup, we're recording this on Monday, so we don't know who United's potential opponents for the fourth and fifth round are yet. Uh, we should reflect on that later in the week. Of course, we'll have the draw with you live on the MEM website on Monday as it happens and all the reaction as well to that but Samuel the weekend win over Watford it wasn't a classic it's one of those games you'll easily forget and you put to the back of your mind but for United it was all about getting a result particularly having lost to Man City last week you feel that you know this week could really uh, alter the mood at Old Trafford and how fans may perceive the Solskjaer regime so far but against Watford no frills no spills United won that's all that matters really. It, it panned out as expected I think uh, when you when you schedule that kind of game for a Saturday night slot, uh, the broadcasters pretty much got what they deserved in thinking that you know Ayrton Watford was worthy of everyone's attention. I mean, that they, they've probably got some decent ratings really because everyone's in lockdown and sport is is keeping you know people going and it, it's it's invaluable to have that service at the moment. But it was as drab a game as as expected. Maybe when United scored early, a lot of people would have thought they'd have cut loose and and got a few goals and, and won quite comfortably. But fair to Watford, they, they made something of a contest, made something of a contest, uh, I should say. Uh, and certainly in added time, United were getting a bit twitchy in the in the technical area because Watford had some set pieces, United had been conceding goals at set pieces. But it was just one of those nights where the, the worst players weren't so much worse than the best the best players um, in the United side. I mean, there was some pretty... Uh, worrying individual performances. Greenwood was probably one, but then you factor in that he was playing through the middle, and I think most people would have still uh, would have said before the game he's still too raw, too much for a rookie to take on that role at the moment. Particularly when United have got Cavani and Martial, uh, Daniel James just further proved that Leeds is never a reliable gauge of where a player, where a team are at, especially given that Crawley thumped them as well yesterday. James has had two pretty poor performances since. Since that start, and Jesse Lingard played as you'd expect someone to play when they've not started in in over three months, so th- there wasn't cause to to reflect on too much from that game. And as Solskjaer said afterwards, they the only the, pretty much the most important thing was that they're through, and uh, and also that there was no extra time, which I think we were all all relieved about. Yeah, I think we're all dreading the prospect of another half an hour on Saturday night. Uh, nine changes, Dom, from the side which had played City. Do you think any of the players did maybe make a good impression of themselves, playing themselves in contention? Tom, uh, they got the official mile of the match, you know, he captained the side, got the goal. Alex Tellers looked quite good, and obviously if Luke Shaw's not back, he, he'll come in for him anyway. But do you think Tellers showed enough? Uh, do you think there was anyone else in the lineup who who actually made a good enough account with themselves to say, you know what, I should be playing every week? Uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, of positives uh, for the defence, especially. 
Um, I know Watford are not an absolutely sparkling team, but they, they came down from the Premier League last season and they have given United problems in the past in, in recent Premier League seasons. So I was quite impressed with the way Axel Twanzebe did at the back. I think, um, you know, with Eric Bailly's continued brittle uh, injury record, as we, we saw the other day, I think Twanzebe are the candidates to come into the to the central centre of defence. Lindelof as well is a doubt at the minute. Um, I was impressed with Tellez, I think, is that piece delivery is, is probably the best at the club. That's including Bruno Fernandes. I think Tellers is probably more reliable from set pieces than, than Fernandes in terms of delivering into the box. I think a lot of the forward players, yeah, like Samuel said, struggled. Van der Beek, I think, showed glimpses, not enough. And I think that's the, the frustration with Van der Beek at the minute. Is he's not showing it um, often enough. I think people are maybe expecting too much of him when he comes into a team like this, when it's a disjointed, much-changed team in a cup game at an unfavourable hour, I think it's it's probably a bit too much for him to expect him to light it up. But, yeah, positives all round. But, yeah, like Samuel said, it, it's hard to really discern too much from from a game like that. I think the bigger test will be this week uh, against Burnley and Liverpool. We saw that little bit of link-up play in the first half, probably the best bit of football in the night between Van der Beek and, and Juan Mata, and you can see they're on the same wavelength. Bruno Fernandes has spoken previously about how he likes playing with Mata because they're on that same wavelength, and you know the same could be said about him and Van der Beek at the wake, weekend. But Samuel, on his selection, do you think the odds are just stacked against him? Because as Dom said, you're coming into a much-changed side, you're playing in a position which doesn't quite favour you, um, you can't really get that rhythm, so it's almost really difficult for Van der Beek to shine because there's so much working against him and he's not playing with players who he'd usually be playing with anyway in the first team. It's, it's certainly a relevant point. He, he is accustomed to playing from that role against, uh, sorry, for Ajax, I should say. And I mean, Solskjaer was quite quite right in the way he went with that selection that he didn't play to defensive midfielders. You, you don't need to defensive-minded midfielders at home to, to Watford and playing Van der Beek there. You knew he wasn't going to stay the whole game that deep, that he was going to get forward because he had McTominay there holding the fort. And you were quite right in that, that passage of play. It was a real shame for a number of reasons that, that mattered didn't score it certainly would have put the game to bed before half time and I don't think Watford would have really got a look in or had any glimmer of a hope of getting um, of forcing extra time in the second half but the onus is on Van der Beek to really you know to, to show why United signed him to show why he was so why people raved about him after that Ajax Champions League uh, campaign I thought the December he had was pretty disastrous he he didn't there wasn't a single game where he played well. The games he started, he got taken off in. He was taken off at half-time against West Ham. He came on at Sheffield United. And, I mean, United nearly clutched the draw from the jaws of victory in that one. That was quite a lot down to the fact that Van was wasting the ball in good positions where they could have made it 4-1. Uh, he petered out after a decent start, Everton in the Carabao Cup as well. So, I think, I think the surprise with him maybe is that he's taking this long... Uh, not, and it's not just solely on him, it's, it's Solskjaer's management of him as well, but that he's taken this long to, and he's taking, because it's still going on, to, to really get up to speed United. But I've, I've said before that I can see him probably thriving once Pogba has gone. And given that that's probably going to happen in the summer, you're, you're maybe looking at next season for, for Van der Beek to really hit his stride. But given what's at stake for United between now and the end of the season, they do need him to, to come properly good when he does get these opportunities. and. You know, with, with a number of players going this month, probably it's it's not as big a squad as it was, or it's not going to be as big a squad as it was at the start of the season. Injuries are inevitable. You've seen already that. I mean, I was surprised when I asked, I was like, why Pogba 
Tellers and Shaw weren't there. I just thought he'd say, you know, he'd given the example, he'd given an explanation as to why those three were chosen to be rotated, but it turned out they're injured. And suddenly, you know, United go from only one player injured who's so meaningless in Phil Jones to having four significant injuries um, and, and potentially all of them being out tomorrow night at Burnley as well. And Burnley has not been a cakewalk for United whatsoever whenever they've come up against them in the Premier League. Yeah, that should be another tight one. We'll get on to Burnley at the tail end of the podcast. Uh, Dom, now, as we said at the start of the show, United into the fourth round of the FA Cup, which, you know, it was the positive they needed after exiting the Carabao Cup last week. Um, for yourself, maybe both of you to answer this one quite briefly, maybe. Uh, where do you think the FA Cup ranks in terms of winnability, if you like this? Do you think that's their best chance at silverware still? I think it I think it should be. I think that United have got to be careful with um how they treat the Europa League purely because of that Thursday to Sunday grind that it brings in the Premier League. We've seen so often in the past teams struggling after a big Europa League away trip. Uh United obviously going to San Sebastian's it's not the worst trip in the next round of the Europa League, but it could be saddled with a Turkey or a Ukraine or something like that in the in the the, the further rounds. And if they prioritise that too much, it could damage their league form, which you know, after these two games, they could be top of the league by three points, which you know is that's absolute best case scenario. But it's it's still on, and, and there's not really any anyone saying United can't mount a, a league challenge with the way the season's gone. So I'd be prioritising the FA Cup purely because I think it it probably come those fixtures will come at a better time for United, um, and we all know that the FA Cup doesn't guarantee. Uh, Solskjaer sort of safety in his job. I don't think it, anyone's suggesting that. We know what happened to Louis van Gaal when he won the FA Cup and was sat just just after it. But I think Solskjaer does need that silverware just to to maybe shut a few people up and, and silence a few doubters the way that the people used to say Mauricio Pochettino needed a trophy um, at Tottenham despite the fact he was doing a superb job finishing second in the league and Champions League finals and all that. Um, so I, I think the FA Cup's a, a good opportunity for United this season now and it'll probably depend on who they draw in the fourth and fifth round uh, whether you know we can say that they've got a good chance of winning it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it does a lot rely on that draw and you know you could see the likes of City and Liverpool drawing each other, which you know would eradicate one of the, the big contenders for it anyway. Uh Samuel, for yourself as well, how, how much do you think it would mean to Solskjaer to win the FA Cup this season? And do you think he should go strong throughout the competition, no matter who they're up against? Oh no! I mean, if they get Chorley in the next round, you don't want to be playing Bruno Fernandez or uh, or Paul Pogba or Harry Maguire in that game. I mean, that that was one of the negatives against Watford that Maguire actually had to come on in that game, and you know, he, he's he's looking away from suspension. So they're they're taking a couple of risks, not just in terms of his availability uh, through conditioning, but the fact that he's he's on four yellow cards. And I think it's after it's it's if you get five yellow cards in the first. 19 games and United have got a few few games to go before they hit that halfway mark. So it, it depends. They have to play it by ear, really. I mean, with the Europa League, uh, you've got polar opposites in the certainly in 2016-17. Mourinho took it more and more seriously because it quickly became apparent that was their best chance of getting back into the Champions League. And also there was the uh, just the temptation of, of completing a set because they'd never actually won the UEFA Cup before. And then in 2012, when they relegated to the Europa League after bombing out of the Champions League in Baal, Ferguson did pretty much his utmost to get them knocked out of the competition as, as soon as possible. They, they lost three of their four games. They quite narrowly got through past Ajax in the last 32 
I think it was they lost they lost the second leg at home at Old Trafford. The upside of the upshot, sorry, of, of losing those three games in the Europa League is that United won their league games after each one because they were in a title race. Solskjaer can't be as picky because he's not won anything yet. United are nearing the four-year mark of when they last won a trophy. Solskjaer's been in charge for over two years, as it is already. They've lost four semi-finals, so you can't take anything for granted. But it is play it by ear. I mean, if as I said, if 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 they get some very underwhelming draws or certainly easy draws in the next couple of rounds, like Crawley or Chorley, um, you know. It's, it's, trying to think of some of the other upsets over the weekend but certainly just to name those two then of course you're not going to play your strongest side but United have that luxury there where they can rest 10 or 11 players and then build uh, an 11 that is made up mostly of internationals. Yeah like I said, it seems like United's squad depth really could become their sort of secret weapon over the next couple of weeks particularly this week now where we can see a whole host of changes against Burnley on Tuesday night. Before we get on to Burnley though of course the fans would be hungry for any transfer news they can get. Uh, Dom, come to you on maybe the youth transfers at the moment. Levitt and Kovar back from their loan spells. Ethan Laird's gone out and already impressed for MK Dons on his debut. Uh, Watching the pictures for United at the sort of, it's not quite the midway point of the season, but you know, January is where you reflect on how the loan deals have gone so far. How do you think it's gone for United uh, in terms of their loan approach this season? Yeah, not sparkling, I think, as you wrote, Rich, uh, on the MEN a day or two ago. It's, it has been a little bit of a, a struggle for some of those players. As you probably expect, when they, they get their first taste of senior football after being in the under-23s, we, we've seen how talented Dylan Levitt is and, and Matej Kovar is a, a, a solid goalkeeper, has been under-23 level. He's done well enough to get a, a good run of games um, at Swindon. I think there's a, a change of, of tactic at Swindon. They're going to go after a new goalkeeper in January, so I think United have... have um, wisely recalled him and I think he, he and Levitt uh, may well be options to to go out on loan again I think Levitt didn't get the game time at, at Charlton Lee Bowie's got a pretty decent um, team there at Charlton riding high in League One so I think Levitt found himself on the fringes there but I, I see today that QPR and Portsmouth I think are, are people being linked with with him so if you can get himself at, at QPR maybe in a bit of game time in the Championship that'll be a, a huge huge boost I think um, Laird is a really interesting one because I, I personally would have liked to see him maybe promoted into the first team squad and maybe United would have loaned out Brandon Williams and and given Laird a bit of a go between now and the end of the season as as Wan-Bissaka's cover. Um, it's interesting that right-back situation at the moment because I, I think Samuel's written that Posu Mensa is on the brink of a move to Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, there's a possibility of, of Williams going out on loan. Dallow's already out at AC Milan on loan. And we've just we've just seen Laird go to MK Don. So whether that opens up a space for United to to make some sort of a signing in the right back position. Uh, I think they've been linked with Norwich's and Max Aaron's. That'll be an interesting one. Uh, I think the, the good the good one is James Garner at Watford and, and hopefully he gets back into the first team reckoning there. I think he was a favourite under uh Ivic, the previous boss, but hasn't featured much under the new the new manager, so that'll be interesting to see over the next few months. Yeah, uh, some of all that Dom touched upon there, uh, folks who went to on the brink of United exit, what other transfers can we expect in terms of departures this month? But any players you think are likely to go? Well, Igalo obviously, his loan is up. Uh, with Romero and Rojo, they're looking for buyers for them, but I think realistically, there's every chance they'll be saddled with those two until the end of the season, then they just have to release them because they're not going to trigger the extension on their contract. Solskjaer confirmed that last week. And when you show your hand like he has and saying, you know, we're looking for buyers, United can't expect to get too much money for Romero or Rojo if indeed they do 
managed to obtain fees for them uh, this month and what clubs out there really need those type of players right now to spend on them it's 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 difficult to think of certainly high profile clubs in the premier league or high profile clubs across europe um, with with a real need for those kind of players and then yeah, just thinking like those clubs might be thinking, you think, well, why don't we just get them in the summer and get them on a free rather than actually spending money on them? Uh, so I, I think that although United would like for there to be quite a few outgoings this month, I can see where they don't get out as many as they would like. But I suppose it's important that those decisions have been taken, that Romero and Rojo will be released at the end of the season if they're not sold this month, because with the way United go about contracts, you know whether they will trigger that one-year option or whether they'll um, they'll just leave it dormant. I mean, with with Fosu Mensah, there was a little bit of surprise last year that they did trigger that they did trigger that extension. They triggered it before he'd actually played again, so he'd gone over three years without actually playing for the club. But they they triggered that one-year option. It looks like they're going to get about I think a million and a half is the fee being talked about uh, if he does indeed go to Leverkusen. So. It, I suppose it kind of justifies it, even though they've hemorrhaged money on his wages during that period. Uh, Phil Jones, as, as, it, it seems too good to be true that Sam Allardyce would, you know, sort out a reunion there and take him to West Brom. Uh, he's he's just been permanently injured, so I don't really see a move for him this this month and I think it'd be very difficult for United to sell him out right in the summer as well. Lingard I can see maybe going to the wire because he's he's clearly going to be on the lookout for a much more esteemed club than say Sheffield United who um who who are certainly interested in a low move but for him to go to a team that look just destined for the championship is is not going to be great for his ego or for his very slim chances of getting back in the England squad ahead of the Euros. Uh, and, and the only other thing is regarding Moises Caicedo, who I think I last wrote about two or three weeks ago, I've been told that United have pretty much um, shelved plans to sign him because of how, how messy it's got with negotiations. United were quite wary very early on during discussions about how many intermediaries, how many figures were getting involved. Uh, from what I was told, Caicedo was, was prepared to work with anyone who could engineer that transfer and the word I was uh, I was given to just to describe it all, I, I can't actually repeat. It's I won't say the swear word, but it's cluster. Yeah. So that 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 pretty much narrows it down. Um, and so United have just thought it's best not to get involved on that, uh, which is is probably probably quite sensible when there's the risk of various shysters getting involved to try and uh, line their pockets. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be interesting to see how the, his uh, saga sort of pans out this month and see if any club can come to any negotiations and see how it all unfolds as well. But uh, looking ahead to the week, uh, of course, we'll be back later in the week for a special podcast looking at the Liverpool game. But Dom, it's the trip to Burnley. United have been excellent away from home. If they avoid defeat, they go top of the Premier League. That would be a huge confidence boost going into the, the trip at Anfield. What can you expect from United? Do you think it is just full strength, no complacency and just go for the joke early on? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no reason why they should be uh, underestimating Burnley. I know that they're not quite the the force that they were a year or two ago, but it's, this is still Sean Dyche and Burnley, and everyone knows what to expect from them. I thought um, it was about this time last season that United uh, pulled out a really good performance away at Burnley, that two 0 win. I think um, Rashford wrapped it up late on, and that was sort of one of their more confident performances last season when they were starting to to show some improvement and then the Bruno Fernandes signing came and it, it kicked them into gears. I, I sort of expect United to be a bit more savvy, a bit more smart than than they have been against teams like this in the past. I think 
Fernandez will, will hopefully, from United's point of view, be fresher because he, he did look uh, rather fatigued in, in the games against Villa and um, the Manchester derby and the Carabao Cup. I'm not sure how much I believe Solskjaer about Pogba and Shaw being out. We know that Samuel's smiling because we know that uh, Solskjaer does a little bit of kidology over injury sometimes. We're recording this before the press conference, so um, fans will likely find out uh, what the latest is on them and on Bayi and Lindelof as well. I think United will go as full strength as they can and yeah, try and try and dominate the game as best they can. That start well. They have they haven't started well against teams like Burnley this season. That's the that's the key. I think they don't really want to be taking this late into the game and keeping players on when they might uh, be able to rest them for twenty minutes or so before Liverpool. <clears throat> we saw obviously uh, last year as well Samuel Lizard defeat at Old Trafford to Burnley. You know, Jay Rodriguez won the goal. It was the, the sort of defeat which sparked the signing of Bruno Fernandes and United have, have, have transformed since then. Um, in terms of the actual sort of lineup that you go for, uh, who would you bring in? Cavani served as pretty much suspension. Does he go straight back into the lineup for you? And, and in terms of defence, if if you know the likes of Lindelof weren't to be to be back fit, what would you go for there? I'd, I'd certainly start Cavani. Marshall was was so um, tepid as as the number nine last week, and I think Cavani's generally had a better season than him as, as the centre forward. Marshall started something like eleven more games, but he he's very very rarely convinced. Um, as as the number nine this season, and of course, you know, it's, it's that old cliche. You could do it one season, but it's the second season that counts most. And Marshall was was excellent by and large as the nine last season, but this season he's just not cut it. Um, there's mitigation for that with the suspension that he had at the start of the season, contributing to a slow start. But I don't think you can really cut him any more slack now. We're well into January, but I suppose if Pogba isn't available for the game, then Marshall probably goes to the left, which is where Pogba's been playing recently. Rashford's on the right, Fernandes is behind Cavani, and that's a pretty formidable attack to take on Burnley, who have got one of the best defensive spines in, in the league, I'd say, with, with Pope in goal and Tarkovsky and me shielding him. It's never a capable United against Burnley. I mean, Burnley have gone 2-0 up at Old Trafford in their last three games there. I think they're unbeaten at Old Trafford in the last probably the last four, four games, I think, dating back to that nil-nil when Tom Heaton was inspired in, in 2016. And United have never really had it easy at Burnley. They've they've had a few 2-0 wins in recent years, but there's not been... Probably their easiest game there was that game when Mourinho was under the cosh in early September. But you were pretty certain United were going to win because Burnley's form at the start of that season domestically had fallen off, off the cliff because of um, the Europa League qualification qualifiers that they were committed to so apart from that game certainly in, in my lifetime United just don't really seem to have it easy against them and they've only done the domestic double I think the last time they did a domestic double against Burnley was when Tommy Doherty was managing 75-76 so Burnley have this weird record of at least resisting uh, defeats United in one of their their games they come up against them each season and I, I really can't see United running riot on Tuesday night if they do it will be have a performance but Apart from an aberration against Chelsea, I think the most Burnley have conceded in home games to opponents this season is is one goal. Uh, Chelsea won three 0 but other than that, every other side that's gone to Turf Moor has only scored has only scored once in the league. Yeah, I mean United's wins against Villa and Wolves, and even the one against Watford should need to put in good stead for for another tricky, grueling uh, victory on Tuesday night. Uh, Dom, finally for you, what is your sort of vague prediction for the week ahead? Burnley and Liverpool for United. Like we said, in a week's time, United could be real title contenders, or we might have proven that they are only pretenders for 
for this year at least. Um, I don't think they'll lose either game, but I think that they need four points really from the from the two games to obviously that will keep them top of the league. And and I think that the Liverpool game is a completely different challenge for United. I, I think I, last last season I would have backed them far more in the Liverpool game than in the Burnley game because of how they counted on teams and how they struggled to break down defensive blocks like like Burnley. But I think that's actually completely on its head now. And I think that the Burnley game it is possibly one where United could. Uh, run right if they get a, a couple of early goals. Um, it's not something they've done too much of apart from the Leeds game this season, but I think it's possibly coming if all the, the moving parts click into place and Cavani adds that cutting cutting edge that's been lost in the number nine role during his suspension. So I think that United will win quite easily against Burnley, but I think, I think they might be able to just about scrape a draw against Liverpool. But I don't say either of those things with particular confidence. Because um, because of United, how how they are under Solskjaer, and that hasn't gone away despite this this recent run of Premier League form. They have got that real sort of rick in them, and you know they could easily be trailing two nil to Burnley, and they could easily lose three or four nil to Liverpool if they have bad days against both of them. Yeah, it's the unpredictability of this Solskjaer side. And Samuel, yourself, I guess, you know, that's the whole point. Who, who knows what's going to happen? That's why it's so exciting. But the point to target United has to be four this week, doesn't it, as a minimum? Yeah, I agree with Dom. I think I can see them beating Burnley and then drawing at Anfield. But of course, it's it's difficult to really you know, make a prediction for a game in, in six days' time when we don't know what's going to happen in the next game and, and how that's going to have a bearing going forward and whether they have any injuries to contend with. I, I still think that Burnley will be a really gritty evening. It's going to, as you used, the word you used earlier, gruelling uh, is probably more appropriate just because that's what Burnley do. Burnley have on a decent run in the Premier League. I think they've only lost two of their last nine and both of them were away from home as well. So it's if, if they can get the kind of win that Tottenham did at Burnley earlier in the season when I think it was Kane flicking on to Son from a corner and they won 1-0, that, that will suit United down to the ground. That would be, if anything, if they were to, to beat Burnley winning that style, it would probably fuel belief more rather than going there and winning 3-0 or 4-0, weirdly, just because... Burnley is it's it's almost become like the kind the stoke of the Premier League these days, like the whole Tuesday night or Wednesday night nonsense about not liking going there and, and just how physical they can be. So as I said, I, I can't at the moment I'm pretty confident in United not losing either of these games this week. And it'll certainly be fascinating to see how they approach that game at Anfield given the defensive injuries that have afflicted Liverpool and just the attacking firepower United have got now that Cavani is back. Yeah, can Bruno Fernandes do it on the cold Tuesday night in Burnley? We shall wait and see. Who knows what the answer will be. Uh, Don, Samuel will be back later in the week for that podcast looking ahead to the Liverpool game. I'm reflecting on whatever happens at Turf Moor. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you very much at home for listening once again. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.